And now, presenting the Star of the Show podcast with your host, Delaney Swift. Welcome everyone back to the Star of the Show podcast. I'm your host, Delaney Swift. If this is your first time hearing this podcast, welcome. If you're a returning customer, welcome back. Thank you for being here. I am excited for you guys to hear this episode today with my friend Taylor. Taylor and I actually met because her younger sister was in my sorority and is one of my close friends. And we just so happened to live in the same city and state when we were moving to Florida. She was one of the people that I reached out to, was so excited to live in the same state as her. She gave me so many recommendations of Tampa and St. Petersburg favorites. But Taylor has a unique story. She was diagnosed officially with celiac disease in 2018 after years of having symptoms and not knowing what was going on with her own body, which we get into in this episode. She now has a community on Instagram called That's So Celiac, where she shares tips and resources and recipes for people with celiac disease, or honestly, just for people who want to live a healthier, happier lifestyle and become the best version of themselves. In this episode, we not only talk about her celiac diagnosis and the journey leading up to finding out she had celiac, but we also talk about just dealing with change and putting yourself out there and going after what you love. And Taylor is a huge inspiration for me in this way. And she is someone who I think really asserts her boundaries very well in like a cool, calm and like kind way. So I think there's so much to learn from Taylor, whether it's about celiac and learning how to eat without gluten and the difference between being gluten-free or certified gluten-free and honestly everything in between. She talks about her favorite alternative wellness methods and she just so happens to be pregnant with her first baby. We get into all of this in this episode and I hope you enjoy. Without further ado, welcome Taylor Hartman to the Star of the Show podcast. In 2018, you found out that you had celiac disease. At that point in time, like, tell me what was going through your head. (laughs) Lots of things. Um, But, oh, wow, I finally have an answer for what's been going on the last few years and why I've been so sick. Like, I was just really happy to have an answer. That's really what was going through my head. Yeah. And for someone who doesn't know what celiac disease is, it can you explain? Yeah. So what it is? Yeah. So celiac disease is an autoimmune disease. Um, So when someone with this autoimmune disease ingests gluten, the immune system basically thinks it's an intruder. Like it's for it shouldn't be in the body. So basically, it sends off its little um, immune warriors or ninjas, however you want to word it. And your body starts, unfortunately, attacking itself, specifically um, your gut. So your gut has villi, which you can think of as little finger-like projections. We all have them. And let's just like, when they're happy, they sway and they catch all the nutrients and they filter all the food that you put in your body. Um, But unfortunately, when someone with celiac does eat the gluten, um, the gluten, (laughs) um, the uh, villi (laughs) is actually getting burned. So... 
that ends up going away, which causes a lot of snowballing effects. Um, and then there's over 300 plus symptoms of celiac disease and everyone is impacted differently, um, but that is very high level. So basically it's an autoimmune disease. When you eat gluten, your immune system basically pushes the panic button and your body fights itself trying to figure out or clear out um, what they think is an intruder. That's crazy that there's 300 different symptoms. Cause I was going to say like, what are some symptoms that people can be aware of? Like if they think they might have it or they're experiencing all these things, they don't know what it is. Like maybe you could tell me like, what were the ones that you were mainly experiencing that's really stood out to you? Yeah. So something really important to share too, is that there are a lot of other conditions that can mimic celiac or that celiac can mimic. Um, but then there's a lot of things like a gluten intolerant, Ooh, if I can talk, a gluten intolerance, a wheat allergy, a non-celiac-like uh, response. Um, so there's a lot of different things that it can mimic. So making sure you have the proper testing, which if we talk about that later, I can explain, point people in the right direction for all the resources. Um, but it's really important to get the correct diagnosis so then you can live and a sustainable and optimal lifestyle based on that. Um, but my symptoms, oh gosh, um, a lot of it was brain fog, like to the point to where like, I couldn't remember something I said five minutes ago and I have like a really good memory. So like, it was really crazy. Um, you bloat, like you're pregnant. And I know some people, like we say, a lot of people in the celiac community say that because you legit, your stomach's hard and you legit have, it looks bigger than a food baby and there's nothing to go. You have really bad. And I had really bad indigestion, heartburn, um, there was a lot for me, there was bowel movement issues. That's the nicest way to put it. Um, I would get sick a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like any way that you can get sick, I would get sick. Um, I would rash really bad. I had really bad inflammation, obviously with autoimmune disease, you inflame. So like I swelled really, really bad and started noticing that inflammation um, different times. And then for me specifically, I actually gained um, about 30 to 40 pounds um, in about a year, which is a lot. And then, um, I also had two softball size ulcers form, um, because of all the stuff going on internally and my body was so confused. So I'm probably forgetting some, but that is like the most like common that a lot of people experience, but yeah, there's 300 plus symptoms. So that's why it makes it really hard to get an answer. And it's one of the most misunderstood autoimmune diseases, which again, makes it a fun um, condition to try to navigate. Yeah. Well, I mean, just like a couple of those symptoms, I feel like alone are concerning. And then you mix them all together and it's like, what the hell is going on with my body? But it it wasn't always like this, right? Like, did you always feel like you had these symptoms in your life? Or what was like that turning point or the journey leading up to finding out? What was that like? So I think it was college that I started, or at least post-college when I started noticing. But I do remember in high school, I would eat certain things. Like if you think back on kind of how your family ate, not that my family did anything wrong because they didn't, but you know, I was, we are a family that all, me and my siblings all played sports. So we were on the go a lot. So we ate out a lot. A lot of the places, you know, were fried or were just consumed with gluten. And like, I would always feel really poor after eating those types of foods, um, while no one else did. So it was always like, okay, like maybe I'm just, you know, special and my stomach just doesn't agree with this, which now makes sense that it didn't. Um, but, and then in college, you know, you, you go through college and you eat and drink things that probably aren't the nicest to your body. So when I started taking care of myself post-college, I really started noticing the issues, especially with my stomach, 
my sleep and just like how I was feeling overall. Um, so yeah, it was really post-college when I started noticing it and when the whole, um, what I want to call it, the whole, I guess, celiac journey started was at my job, my first post-grad job. I was sitting at my desk and like doubled over in pain and couldn't figure out why. Um, and another thing that I noticed too, is that I started to fall asleep while driving and at work, which is not like me either. Like my body was like just shutting down, like nervous system, everything. It was like, we're done. Like we got to figure it out. And that was something that scared me too. So when I, when I doubled over at work at my desk, I was like, I think I need to go to the ER. And that's what started like the whole journey of figuring out that I had celiac. And was this in 2018? No. Or was this the year before? <laughs> this was summer of 2015. So I didn't find out until three years later that I had celiac disease. So what did that look like? Or is it like multiple different doctors? What what happened when you went to the ER? So I went to the ER. Um, they told me they couldn't do anything for me but to come back in 24 hours if I still felt all this pain. So guess who drove herself back to the hospital? This seems to be a common thing. Trying to get doctors to talk to me, I always end up back. Um, they admitted me. I was in the hospital for a week and they did, yeah, they did all kinds of scopes. So I had a colonoscopy, I had two colonoscopies. I had an endoscopy. Um, I had a, um, oh gosh, what else? They did all kinds of blood pulls and that's when they found the ulcers. And I had to stay in for a week because all due to the size of the ulcers, they didn't want me to go home and have them like aspirate on their own. So I had to like do it in the hospital and make sure nothing else right. caused issues. But then all my blood work was coming back with all these weird indicators. So I actually ended up having to go on short-term disability from my job for that whole summer because of all the testing medications and everything I went on. So I had a laparoscopy to see if I had endometriosis. It's a whole nother story because the OB was like, we don't know what's going on, but um, we can give you a hysterectomy. And I'm like, I'm 24, 25 years old. Like, no way you're doing a hysterectomy just because you think it might help with the pain. Like, that's not happening. Um, at one point, they thought I might have cervical cancer. Uh, you're like, no. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, they thought I might have cervical cancer. So I went through all kinds of screenings to never come up with anything to just be told, oh, um, we can't locate this pain. You must be making it up. Or like, we don't understand what you're going through. So you probably just have IBS. Um, maybe try eating gluten-free, but we don't think you need to. So like, I was kind of shuffled around for really long. Um, and then I was put on so much medications that my body flipped out. So I ended up like stopping all the medication because nothing was working and I wasn't getting an answer. Um, and then I went on three years of kind of just like living my life, so to speak. But like at the time, my now husband was living four and a half hours away and I would go visit him and I'd be terrified to go out to eat or to do anything because sometimes I would end up then needing to spend my entire maybe 48 hours with him in a bathroom. Um, so my quality of life still wasn't good. I was still feeling terrible. My mental health was going down, down the drain because of how sick I felt. Um, so yeah, in 2018, I went to Thanksgiving. What do you eat at Thanksgiving? Tons of gluten. <laughs> um, and I thought I got the flu. And that was not it. I woke up and I couldn't keep anything down. Like Mikey, my husband, found me on our bathroom floor, like sweating and just getting sick and was like, okay, well, like, I'm going to try, like, try to keep some water down. If you can't, I'll come back home and I'll take you to the ER because he had to go to work the next morning. Uh, well, we went to the ER 
again, I was admitted. They didn't know what to do. So then they unadmitted me and told me to come back again <laughs> in 48 hours if I was still having pain. Showed back up. Um, they had me see a liver specialist because throughout all these three years, my liver enzymes were extremely elevated, which come to find out with doing my own research and becoming my own advocate is that your liver enzymes are typically elevated with someone with celiac, especially late diagnosis or misdiagnosed celiac. Um, so I saw that liver specialist and he was like, I love working on livers, but yours doesn't need to be worked on. I want you to see a GI doctor. And I was like, I have seen so many GI doctors and I keep being told I just have IBS or like, like I'm fine. Um, and he's like, no, you need to see this, this GI doctor. So I saw this GI doctor. He had scheduled an endoscopy with a, um, biopsy, which is like the only way that you can, it's like the golden standard of finding out if you have celiac disease. Um, this GI doctor, shout out to Dr. Michael Harris in Tampa, Florida. Um, <laughs> he asked me, shout out, shout out. He like came, he, not he like, he did come into my, like, you know, where they put the IV in before you get anesthesia, before you go through a surgery. He's like, so I read your file and I'm really shocked that no one's test you for Crohn's celiac or lupus. And I was like, Oh, like I know what Crohn's is, but like what's lupus and like what's celiac. And he explained it and he was like, okay. Well, I, he's like, based on how you're presenting one of these has has to be it. Or maybe, um, there's a direct correlation, especially with lupus and celiac. There is a correlation with those. So he's like, let's just see. So literally had my scope two weeks later, I get a call and they're like, so you don't have Crohn's? And I'm like, okay, cool. They're like, you don't have lupus. And I'm like, okay, cool. They're like, uh, but you definitely have celiac disease. And I'm like, okay, what's that? And they're like, just don't eat gluten. And I'm like, okay. So I call Mikey and I'm like, so I have celiac disease. And he's like, what is that? And I'm like, I don't know. So <laughs> I'm like in my work office at the time when I was in a corporate job and I was Googling what celiac disease was, trying to figure out what this new world was going to be like for me. So that was like kind of the the journey to even get the diagnosis. And obviously it's really layered, really exhausting, but yeah, it took a while to get there. That's insane that they just dropped it on you, but like, was there any follow-up? Was there any like explanation or was this all self-research? All self-research. And unfortunately, especially like, as you know, I run an account called That's So Celiac. Um, a lot of people share that same experience yeah. where when you get your diagnosis and there's, there's no like support. There's no follow-up. Hey, you should, you should check out ABC. Hey, we offer this. And, um, there are some good, you know, experiences from some people that had a really good doctor or a really good, um, team that was like, Hey, like we want to do follow-up scopes or, Hey, we want to do follow-up blood work. Um, but for me personally, there is no follow-up. It was just like, here you go. This is what you have. Good luck. Shocking. <laughs> so it, were you in your corporate office the day that you got this information when you got this call? Yep. I can remember I was in the conference room that overlooked, uh, the West shore Plaza mall or whatever the West shore mall is called. And I was staring out the window and they were just like, yep, you have celiac disease. And I was just like, okay, what's that? Like, what do I do? Like, thanks for the answer. But like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh my gosh. So then what was that day like? Were you, I know you mentioned it was kind of like a shock, but like a relief. Were you just like, okay, now yeah. I guess I have to figure this all out on my own? Yeah, it was one of those. And like, even my, even Mikey was like, Hey, like we'll figure this out. So of course I try to work, but it's after lunch, you know, that after lunch lol, you're just like, okay, well now I just got life changing news. I got to figure this out. And then since I was reading and it's like, oh, you can't eat gluten. I'm like, well, I can't go home. I have nothing at home that I can like eat. So 
um, anyone that's possibly listening to this that receives a celiac or um, gluten allergy or gluten intolerance diagnosis, do not run to a grocery store the day of your diagnosis. Um, I went to three different grocery stores and cried in each because I would like load the cart and then I would get so overwhelmed because I didn't know what I was doing because it's just like, you're like, okay, well, this doesn't make sense. This has gluten. This doesn't have gluten. Okay. Is this actually healthy for me? Like it was so overwhelming. And I remember just getting home and looking at Mikey and being like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like this is, this is so overwhelming. So yeah, it was just, it was nice to have an answer, but then the answer just led to more anxiety and more questions. And then there's obviously like the difference between gluten-free and certified gluten-free, right? And like the people that choose to eat gluten-free, but it's not like an allergy that can eat the gluten-free. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what the difference is? Yeah. So like between just like normal gluten-free labeling and like the certified labeling. So according to the FDA, for you to have just gluten-free on your packaging, the, however you test, um, has to be less than 20 parts per million. So 20 PPM less of gluten. Supposedly that is safe for people with celiac to consume. So the testing isn't as rigorous. It isn't as, um, guided or looked over or controlled, however you want to word that. So some people Mm -hmm. are totally comfortable just being gluten-free and being good. Um, But then with certified gluten-free labeling, there's a couple different organizations that do this. So they each have a different um, process. So certified gluten-free labeling means like it truly went through a very rigorous and very big investment. So the companies that have that certified gluten-free labeling put a lot of money behind that to make sure that their food meets whatever requirements and whatever process is needed between those different organizations. Like one does the 20 PPM, but like every single piece has to be like tested. There's no like, Oh, one out of the a hundred pieces says it's gluten-free type of thing. So like everything about the product is gluten-free and there's again, a lot of guidelines they have to follow. There's another, um, organization within that certified gluten-free labeling that actually does um, less than 10 ppm of gluten, which is really nice too. Again, the lower the threshold that it can be, the better. Um, so yeah, there's, there is a difference in each person, whether they have celiac or not, has their own comfort level, especially if you talk to a brand and you like really know their ingredients and they explain why they don't have the certified gluten-free labeling. Some people are extremely comfortable with that. Obviously like whole foods, like vegetables and fruits, those should be gluten-free. They are gluten-free. It's more of the processed um, type of foods that that have that labeling. Right. Or like are in, come in boxes or Correct. can't. Well, I don't know if anything's coming in a can. Yes. Yes. yes I there, I mean, there are not. some things. It's <laughs> <Yes>. terrifying. <laughs> um, I know I didn't even know about that difference before I became like close friends with you because you know, I just thought that, you know, anything that said gluten-free was safe for people to eat that didn't eat gluten. But I can imagine that's probably a very confusing thing for people to figure out, especially at first. So tell us a little bit about how that So Celiac community started. I was actually reading on your Instagram post that it started for like a business class, right? So I know that that was a lot about sharing resources with people who are maybe at the beginning of their journey or still on their journey. So 
tell us a little bit about that process. Yeah. So that's so celiac came about, um, actually like it came about, like the thought came about before, um, my master's class. So I got my MBA, the concentration was in marketing. And for that, for one of the classes that I had in that concentration, you had to build something that was marketable. Like that's something that people could go and see and utilize. So I was like, why not just try this out? Like I've kind of been bouncing it around. Here's like the perfect like structure to kind of put it out there and get feedback from people and get graded on it. Um, so I named it that so celiac because when my husband and I would go out to eat or something and I would try to order something or try to like enjoy something, if I couldn't have it, I'd be like, oh, that's so celiac. Plus I'm a nineties baby. So you got that. So fetch from mean girls and you got that. So Raven from the Disney channel. So it kind of just worked. Um, so after the business class, I decided to keep it going because my mission, when I even was writing it out for the class was I wanted people to try to avoid what I felt when I got that call. And when I felt when I went to those grocery stores and felt so overwhelmed and so alone. And also when I felt like I couldn't truly understand even where to start with the autoimmune disease. And I also wanted people to know too, that like your world doesn't end and it's not going to go up in flames just because of this diagnosis. And along that journey, I started really becoming my own advocate. So I want to show people in a safe way or in a safe place that you can become your own advocate through this diagnosis. And it doesn't have to, you know, kind of keep you in, in jail, so to speak. Like you can really be free from it as long as you learn how to speak up for yourself. Did you have certain resources that you turned to when you first found out? Were there websites? Were there blogs? Was there anything out there yet? So there was. Um, Erin, who is on Instagram and like her website, it's Gluten-Free Globetrotter. She was the first like celiac person I came across and she really helped me in regards to like seeing, oh, like I can travel because travel is really big for myself. So I was like, oh, okay, I can do this. Um, and then the Celiac Disease Foundation and then Beyond Celiac, which are both websites, um, is something that I use too, just to start learning facts and like really like peeling back the layers of the onion of the disease. Um, and then there is a book called Gluten is My Bitch. <laughs> and it, it really helped me like find humor in the diagnosis, but then it also showed me again, like, okay, there is there is some freedom in this diagnosis. I just have to learn how to understand it more and make it work for me. Yeah, absolutely. And how has the That's So Celiac community evolved over time? Because you've grown it for a, a long time and for a while, and I feel like it's a very tight-knit community. So how has that changed over time? So I think it's changed because at first it was really like, um, you know, food for celiac or like, this is celiac. Like that's really what it was. And then as I started to heal on my own, especially more in an integrative and holistic way, I wanted to show alternative ways to not only heal from the autoimmune disease, um, but to also, this is going to sound so, so cliche, but like to thrive, like you can truly thrive, um, with this autoimmune disease if you want to. And again, advocacy, empowerment, education, um, and then also showing that you are more than celiac disease. Because when I first started posting, I got so, well, not only imposter syndrome, but I felt like if I didn't post about celiac disease and like I wasn't allowed to post or like I wouldn't be relevant or like I wouldn't be helping the people I started this account to help. But what I learned through different seasons of life is that no, like what I share is helpful as yes, I do have celiac disease, but people also want to see that other side. 
Like they want to know that they can have other parts of their life that isn't just the autoimmune disease. So I would say the community has definitely grown into something that's like all different facets. Like, yes, it's tied to celiac, but it's also people who maybe do want to live more integrative and holistically or people that do want an easy recipe or, you know, love dogs and want to see my dog. Um, So it's definitely more just like a good community that just wants to see me and other people thrive and live. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing. I think so too, because recently, well, not recently, always, like I've always been interested in your content. Whenever you post, I like, I always find value from something, whether it's like a suggestion of a restaurant or a food or even if you're just posting about your family or you and Mikey are going traveling somewhere, I always find like value or I get excited to see your content. So I think you do a good job of that, of like integrating more than just, you know, you know, be, having celiac, right. But also having those nuggets of like, if you want to live a healthier lifestyle or you want to try this method of healing, no matter who you are. Uh, and you've been a very, a, a huge person in my life to like make suggestions, especially because when we both lived in the same city, you would always point me in the right direction of like this practitioner or like this chiropractor. So what have been some like alternative healing methods that you've really loved, whether it's, you know, the chiropractor or getting a facial, what are some of those things that you feel like really help you live a healthy lifestyle in addition to just, you know, cutting out the gluten. Yeah. I love that question. And thanks for the compliment. I really appreciate it. I'm really bad at receiving them. So just thank you. (laughs) Um, I would say so for me, so for me, I try to focus on all bodies of health or all pillars of health. And if people don't know what I'm talking about, it's not just physical, it's mental, emotional, and spiritual as well. Um, so in regards to physical is that even after about a year and a half of eating, just eating gluten-free, like the GI doctor told me to do, I was still feeling very poor. Um, and the more research I did, um, especially since I got diagnosed in my mid to late twenties, I mean, that's 20 something years of having an autoimmune disease and having no idea. And, and I mean, ruining my gut unintentionally. Um, so I found an integrative health practitioner. Her name's Taylor Sappingham. She has her business called Tailored Wellbeing. She helped me really understand what was going on from a cellular level in my gut, specifically with celiac, um, which impacts, I mean, things like your mitochondrial, which is where your your cells go in to basically charge. It's like plugging your iPhone into a charger. So my cells weren't even properly able to like recharge to do what they need to do. My minerals were depleted, which is very, very common in people with celiac disease, because again, that villi gets burnt. So your body, it has a lot of malabsorption. So figuring out where I was malabsorbing and all of that fun stuff, which hits your adrenals, which then hits your hormones. So basically it was working with her in a very functional, integrative way to do that. And then I really started looking at what else in my life was draining me versus filling my cup up. And I know probably like fill your cup up is so overused, but like, it's also very true if you do it intentionally. So I started looking at things, especially when I was in Florida, I was like, you know something every morning, especially when 2020 happened, you had to do something to make sure you took care of your mental health outside of probably just going to therapy. So like I made sure I like filled up my cup with a walk, whether it was with my dog or by myself, stopping by a local coffee shop. You know, I love my local coffee shops. Um, and then, um, just doing things that would help me feel me, if that makes sense. So like you like facials, um, going and seeing a chiropractor, um, doing the protocols that Taylor Sappington put me on to help me physically, um, starting to evaluate work. And if that was actually what I wanted to pursue, because I was 
literally so I was so drained from not knowing I had an autoimmune disease and then drained from trying to overcompensate for the autoimmune disease to then try to, you know, succeed in my job at the time. Um, so I'm trying to make sure I answer the question in like a very tight way, but just, um, yeah, just doing things that really fill my cup and bring me joy, which honestly, that's what that's so celiac started being. I just started enjoying sharing and being really authentic and genuine, which made me feel good, which maybe that helps one other person, maybe helps 10 other people, maybe helps no one, but it felt really good for me to share that type of stuff and just give someone a safe place to be like, Oh, I've, I've never thought of that. Like, let me try that. Um, but as you know, I'm pretty, um, clean with my care, whether it's food or how I approach just my health. Um, but also just having fun and enjoying life and me making sure I invested in myself is what allowed me to have fun and enjoy life. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up too, because I feel like a lot of what people go through as adults and whether you went to college or didn't go to college. I feel like a lot of us wean off of being around our friends and, you know, not really having to like choose specific friends or choose what drains or lifts us up. And we have habits in our lives that maybe aren't the best, you know, it was fun for a time, but now that we're growing up, we have to kind of pick and choose which habits we want to keep and which we maybe want to not keep. And I feel like I went through this journey as well. And I think I'm sure a lot of other people do. And a lot of people I talk to say similar things where it's like, okay, it's getting to a point where I need to maybe drop off some friendships or just distance myself a little bit, maybe not engage in going out all the time, maybe start to eat a little cleaner, maybe start to use products at home, whether it's for my skin or for, you know, cleaning products or whatever it is, just starting to choose things that are better for you a very holistic, a holistic way. Right. And I think that that's what that's what celiac turned into as well is not just showing like, Hey, this is what you can do without the gluten. Here's, you know, recipes for this, this, and this, but also here are all of these alternative healing modalities, or here's a great coffee shop. Here's a great place to get, go get IVs or whatever it is. And I do think a lot of adults, especially like millennials go through that period of time where it's like, let me choose the lifestyle that I actually want now. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's like a midlife crisis without being a crisis yet. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like I say this all the time, but really I feel like so much of our twenties and early thirties, but really honestly, our twenties is just figuring out who we are after living with our parents, going to college, being with our friends all the time, being on the same playing field as everyone else, and then figuring out what life you actually want to live versus the life that your friends are living or the choices that they're making or people on social media are making and saying like, no, actually, this is the type of life that I want. Yeah, a thousand percent. And going off of that, I feel like re- recently you've had some changes in your life. You you got pregnant. <laughs> you are changing some, having some career changes and things like that. And I've always been really inspired by your ability to pivot and to really make things work for yourself, whether it was, you know, working multiple jobs or, you know, just having a really integrated community in the Tampa St. Pete area or just online. So I feel like things are really coming together for you right now. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but can you give people advice who are maybe in a situation that's 
less than desirable, whether it's career or health or finances or a relationship that's that's not desirable, but they maybe want to make a change. And like, what advice would you give to that type of person? Oh, goodness. I just got like chills because that's a really good question. And like, first stop and smell the flowers. I know that sounds so silly, but when you're in those gloomy situations, there are, there are flowers. You just have to be willing to see them. And I think that's the biggest thing when we get into those like, um, oh crap situations, you tend to just look at the crap instead of being like, okay, what's outside of the crap for me to also like, yes, you have to shift through the crap, but like what's also on the outside of this for me to focus on as well. So I know what way I need to navigate through that. Um, so I would just, so yeah, just making sure that you do stop and like smell or or see, see the positive or the flowers around possibly the gloom or the crap that you're currently in, um, therapy, definitely recommend therapy for anyone that's going through it. Um, and then also just knowing that there is a, like, there is, there, there is a reason for you going through this. And I think a lot of us when a door is like shut it's world ending and there's something it's totally okay and valid for it to feel like that. But you have the choice to either let that closed door keep you from opening up other doors and exploring and walking through them. Or if like, you're going to be like, okay, thank you. Closed door. Let me reflect on this and not let me go check out what other doors are available for me, especially when you feel like everything's against you. There's definitely something not against you and you should explore that. Um, And I mean, for me, I've had a lot of moments where, an older version of me would have freaked out and thought the world was ending. So like, I totally get those feelings, totally get that state of mind. But now I'm like, okay, there's a reason this is happening. Yes, I don't totally understand it. And it doesn't totally feel comfortable. But I'm going to trust this because whatever is coming from it is going to propel me to probably what I've wanted for the last three or four years. And the last year or two have been those moments where I'm like, okay, I've asked for this. It's happening. It might not be happening the way I would have loved it too but you know something I'm gonna pivot and I'm gonna go with it and I'm gonna try it out and if it doesn't work at least I tried like I know for you Delaney like you've tried I love that you have tried so many different things because like you said in our 20s and even our 30s I still think our 30s you you shouldn't have it all together because you're still trying to figure out yourself like yes it's in it's a decade where hopefully you're more secure in finances and you're more secure in some other things, but like, it's okay if you're not totally there yet. Like I'm almost 32 and yes, my husband and I are about to have our first baby and we're still figuring out like what the heck we, where we want to be living, what our finances should look like. And like, what, like, I still feel like I'm a kid. Like, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm actually an adult, but like, what am I trying to do? Um, so yeah, like I said, really, stop, smell the flowers, try to see the good and the crap. Cause there's definitely good therapy. Um, and this sounds, I know it's harder said than done, but trust what is happening. Like trust that you can pivot, trust in yourself, trust in the universe or whatever, you know, you may believe in that there is something good that is behind that closed door. I think that that can be some of the, like the hardest parts <laughs> is that trust with yourself but looking back on like things that you've done, I think is the perfect way for you to gather evidence about like why you should trust yourself. You know what I mean? Like you got yourself out of a, a shitty situation and here you are again, like in another one, you can do it again, even though it feels very challenging or very scary, but it's possible. And I love that you said too, that, you know, like em- embrace that there, that this is a, a reason there's a reason behind this because 
looking back, I feel like you can always understand why certain things happened to you. And if it didn't teach you what you wanted, it taught you what you didn't want for your life. And that's just as valuable. Yeah. And I know it's really hard when that door slamming in your face for you to be like, where's the good? This is going to be so good for me because it is really uncomfortable. But like you said, when you look back, like over the last few years, there's doors that have been closed or things that didn't happen the way I would have loved them to happen. And I'm like, you want to know something? I tried that allowed me then to have a stepping stone to this next thing that I'm trying and I'm doing. And like, wow, I've got myself here because of all those little stepping stones and because of those closed doors or like redirects. So I feel like you, you just have, it's, you have the power to look at it that way. So it's your choice, whether you look at it as like an obstacle that you're never going to overcome or an obstacle that you will overcome and you will continue to overcome if you choose to do so. Absolutely. And speaking of pivoting and obstacles, well, I don't know if this is a great segue, but obviously you're pregnant now. And I know that we have had conversations before about, you know, you, wanting to get your health in the most optimal place that you could become pregnant. But I wanted to hear a little bit more about like, do you feel like you had to prepare yourself for this pregnancy? Or do you think that everything leading up to it that you were doing for your health was what ultimately prepared you? In regards like physically, mentally, all of it? (laughs) Yeah, honestly, all of it. But I'm thinking more of like, how you got your body ready for it. But yes, mentally too, because we know people need that type of tip. (laughs) So something I've really learned about pregnancy, even before I was pregnant, just from all the research that I've done, again, advocating for myself, peeling back the different layers of the onion that is especially a female's body, is that a lot of people and a lot of material focus on, you know, health and well-being during pregnancy. But we don't really talk about before or after which all three stages are extremely, extremely important. Think about it. If you're, if you're trying to get pregnant and your internal environment is not stable or healthy or conducive to a pregnancy to like literally grow life inside of you, which is wild that we can do this, um, then you're not going to have a great pregnancy. Like it's, it's not, it's probably not going to be the most fun. I imagine because your internal environment wasn't even like fun for you to try to thrive off of. So how is another being going to thrive in that as well? Um, so as I started, so true. yeah. So as I started like healing, like my gut and my adrenals and my hormones and all that other good stuff, I knew in the long run, I was setting myself up for success for when baby was ready to be introduced to my internal environment. Um, and that's the same with mental. Like I had a lot of, um, just mental blockages, which is different things that I've experienced in my life to make sure that I was, I mean, I don't think you're ever ready to become a parent, but like, I just want to make sure I felt good mentally in regards to my anxiety and some other things that like, I made sure I took care of my brain too, as much as I took care of the rest of my body, if that grammar makes any sense there for anyone listening. Um, but yes, I really do think all the work pregnancy brain it is, oh, it's a real thing. Um, I do think everything, cause I started working with Taylor Sappington in August of 2019 and I'd gone off birth control about a month before. Um, so the last, oh gosh, four years has really been focusing on not getting my body ready for pregnancy, but making sure the internal environment was something I could thrive with. So then a baby could thrive. Um, especially since in August or October of 2020. Yeah. I got diagnosed with PCOS. Um, and I holistically like reversed that, like I rebalanced my hormones. 
um, with the help of all the work that I was doing. So then a pregnancy happened without any medication or anything like that. So I'm really proud of all the work I've done because it has gotten me to this. And I've loved pregnancy, which some people are like, how do you love it? And I'm like, I just, I feel good. Like, I'm amazing. Like, this is great. Uh, obviously, the first few months, I felt like a hungover zombie. Um, but think about all the hormonal changes that go on. So um, yeah, I do think inadvertently all the work I did got me ready for this season of life, which I'm really thankful for. Definitely. And I'm really, I'm like really happy to hear this and happy that you're doing so well because I feel like it could have gone a completely different way. So it makes me so happy that you're like enjoying this process and able to like be fully present through it. And that like, you know, celiac or any other autoimmune disease is not trying to, you know, take away from this moment for you. But I'm curious to like, what other alternative wellness routines have you done like leading up to this pregnancy or just maybe even what are your favorite alternative wellness routines in general that you feel like have really supported your health? So, um, obviously all the, all, all the individual or individualized protocol work I did with Taylor Sappington that like, so thankful for that. Um, but in my daily routine outside of like a protocol would be like manual lymphatic drainage. Our lymph system holds so much, which controls our nervous system, which impacts so much like manual lymph drainage has been amazing acupuncture has been amazing oh my gosh acupuncture game changer um going to a chiropractor especially ones that do cupping um and then um honestly switching how I solve movement because obviously exercise and movement is a stressor in our body it can be a really good stressor um but instead of going to the gym six times a week I like to go for walks and that's movement and I get a sweat on and I'm able to detox with that. Obviously I do still like the gym. Like I love to mix in some orange theory or I love to mix in some yoga or some Pilates. So like that type of stuff, but just being more mindful. And like, if my body doesn't feel good to do it that day, I don't do it. And I just go for a walk or I rest. Um, also this is going to be very, very different for some people, but coffee enemas are part of my routine, not during pregnancy, but pre I want to do one. I want to do one. Call me. I'll help you through it. Honestly, for me personally, especially <laughs> with celiac disease, I have a hard time offloading. My liver can have a really hard time offloading too. So the coffee enemas help um, your liver and your kidney and your bile ducts offload in a very safe and proper way. Obviously you want to like make sure you're good. I started them under the guidance of my integrative health practitioner. So I've been doing them now for two to three years. So I'm really good at them, like without needing to ask any questions, but yeah, so I do that. Um, so I can FaceTime you, really FaceTime you with my butt. Yeah. <laughs> so many people have actually FaceTimed me while they've done their first coffee enema and I've helped them through it. So that's totally fine. Okay, I love it. I mean, so many, I'm like the friend that I'm doing, that's it. fine. I'm the friend that people are like, can I send you a picture of my poop? And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Like, let me, <laughs> so like, I'm here. well, let me tell you, I've had some conservant concerning bowel movements recently. I guess I need to start taking pictures and sending them yeah, to you. Sure I'm not eating. Just ask for permission before you do so, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> ask for consent. Ask for consent. Um, but those are probably some of my favorite things. Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, and just like mentally, like journaling, reading, making sure I get outside in the morning, taking jacks, which is my dog on a walk. Um, but I think those are probably like my modalities to really help support myself and like to keep myself um, where I feel safe and supported in regards to being in my body. I feel like you've tried so many different wellness methods that you're like my 
encyclopedia if I ever am trying something new I'm like oh, I bet you Taylor's in it let me ask her opinion or who she who she recommends in the area <laughs> but I need to go back for a second because I feel like you said something okay you said something about PCOS yep. so can you just remove PCOS from your like can you just not have it anymore or is it you always have so it? technically PCOS is a hormone imbalance if you really were to break it down so you typically so how to describe this is that think of your body as like an ice cream sundae i'm a very visual person so this is how i'm gonna like for anyone listening um so think of like the first layer as like your cellular health especially with your gut so your microbiome your mitochondrial all of that and then the second layer is your minerals and your nutrients and your adrenals well your minerals and nutrients are what feed your cells and then your adrenals are hooked to all of that so those three things also tie into your cortisol, which then ties into your hormones. Um, and you can't get those without looking at all these other layers of the Sunday because your sex hormones and your hormones are like the sprinkles and cherry on top. So you can't have those without the rest of the Sunday. So from all the research I've done and from my work with Taylor Sappington, I knew that there was maybe still a part of that Sunday that needed to be evaluated. And there was a gap that I needed to work on. Um, so obviously had a very informed discussion with my OB at the time. And I was like, listen, I don't feel comfortable taking Clomid or Metformin. I would like to take this information, go talk to my practitioner. I also did um, additional testing with Taylor Sappington. So I did adrenal thyroid and hormone testing. And this was about two years into doing all the other work. So I still knew stuff was like shifting, especially since again, I went 20 plus years without knowing I had an autoimmune disease. So I knew it would take a little bit longer for my body to get to the sustainable, optimal place of like functioning. Um, so I worked with Taylor Sabrington, trusted, um, you know, the plan that we made. And then here I am. I wasn't having any of the symptoms that I was having. I don't have those anymore. Um, so it can be quote unquote reversed. Again, a hormone imbalance. You should be able to bring things back into balance, whether again, you choose to do the medicine through more of the traditional route, or if you choose to work with someone like Taylor Sappington and do more of, I guess what you can say, the non-traditional route. Um, so I chose the non-traditional route, but obviously did it under the guide of someone that knew what they were doing with obviously me learning along the way. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of people could probably c correct or help their PCOS if they looked at some of those like other layers of the Sunday? I imagine so. Yes. Obviously everyone is different. So everyone is going to have a different outlook. I would say what I did is the long game. It was not like a snap of the fingers, quick fix. And it took a lot of me doing the work versus like being like, all right, I did this for a week. Like, why don't I feel better? Or like, why isn't this changing? So it's definitely more about, okay, like if I choose this route, I know it's not going to be the most fun at times. And I'm going to have to really like dig my feet in, change habits, maybe add something into my routine that I haven't tried yet um, to make this work. And I had already said like, okay, something, if this doesn't work, like if it doesn't skew how it needs, like how my hormones need to be for like optimal um, baby producing <laughs> environment, then um, I'm going to baby making make environment, baby making environment, then I'm going to, you know, if, look at some other routes, maybe go back to my OB and talk about those options. Um, but I just had, I just had this knowing, like, I was like, I've done so much work 
and it's not done yet, like I'm just going to trust this and maybe add in a few things that is just going to help support me get those sprinkles and cherry on top of that Sunday that is my well-being. So uh, yeah, I just think that's a lot of things that people don't learn about is like hormones aren't standalone. It's connected to so much more in your body. And again, it's, it's more if people want to do the long game or the short game. I prefer the long game because it's sustainable and optimal yeah. while short game. For me personally, I feel like you feel better for a little bit and then, but you still have all those issues down the road. I, I love that. And I like the Sunday analogy cool. because I feel like that helped me so much. And I just don't think that we know enough about our, our hormones, our adrenals, our cortisol, and like what our levels are in our own body. I started seeing a functional medicine doctor last year, and this is a whole nother episode and a whole nother conversation, but there were things that he was telling me that were out of whack in my body that I didn't even like know. Not that I didn't know that it existed, but I didn't know that it was an issue or that like that even needed to be paid attention to. So there is, I agree with you. Like I'm all for the long game. Do you really want to just like fix the problem now and then have it happen again your whole entire life? Or do you want to, you know, live a long healthy life. So I, I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, I want to move into some rapid fire before we finish okay. up. So hopefully you're ready for let's this. Go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's go. What is your favorite comfort show? Once Your Hill. Oh, that's a great one. Who do you like Nate, Nate or Lucas? Oh, see, it's a hard question, but I think Nate becomes like my favorite. He becomes my absolute favorite. Same. He's my favorite too. Um, okay, what's your guilty pleasure? It can be anything. Oh, gosh. I don't... It can be food. Like, mine's reality TV. Okay, yours is reality TV. Um... Oh, God. Going and perusing a bookstore and buying books I don't need. <laughs> I love that. And then they, like, sit stacked up on your shelf or your books bookside table or bedside table, and then you're like, okay, just collecting dust. I love it. She's showing us her books behind her right now. <laughs> um, what is a pop culture moment that shaped you? Princess Diana dying. And I was really young at the time too, but it's something I vividly remember. Like the first like big event that I remember. And that made me become obsessed with the Royal family and history. That's a good one. That's a really good one. What, how, what year was this? Oh gosh. Oh, do you know? I think it was like 1990. Three or five? Why is my brain stopping? I should know this. But for some reason, I remember. I don't know. We'll, we'll look. I remember it being on the news and me being, and I don't know how my child brain remembered this at the time, but I remembered it. And I, like, that is what like hooked me at like, I remember going to school and being like, did you know that this princess died in a car crash? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm obsessed with the royal family. Like everything about it. That's like. I know that you love, like, I know you talk a lot about, like, Vanderpump Rules and all that. I have no idea what that world is because I've never watched that show before. And, like, I live in Vegas right now. And, like, Vanderpump has the two restaurants here. And people, like, spaz out about it. And I'm like, what's – because I guess, you know, they, they filmed some of the show at some of the restaurants and whatnot. But I'm like, so have you heard about this about the royal family? Have you, like – that is, like, my pop culture. <laughs> I really love that for you <laughs> because I, I feel like I don't know enough and I – I feel like personally connected to them just because like my dad lived in England. And so I'm just like, I feel like I should know so much more about this than I, than I do, but that's a really good one. I was not expecting you to say that one. 
Um, okay, the next one is how would someone describe you if your life was a movie and you were the main character? That's a really good question. Um, this is the star of the show podcast, Taylor. Oh my goodness. You hype um, I would just say like probably like genuinely goofy and like fun. Like I'm just all about living life, enjoying food and hanging out with your friends so yeah genuinely goofy I don't (laughs) I would also say you're a connector you're very like positive and bright and you remind me of the color yellow and you're you're just like you're a connector like you always tell me where like what places to go for like coffee or to get a facial what um like, I don't know. I was literally thinking about texting you and asking you for a primary care doctor. Oh, I got today. you. Like, I got a good one. That, and you don't even live here anymore. <laughs> hey, I'm moving back. So okay, got I got it. you. <laughs> I can't wait for that. I can't wait for that. Okay. Something that you're currently obsessed with. So this could be like a show, a movie, a podcast, music, food, an activity, whatever. Um. So I'm currently obsessed with this book series called From Blood and Ash. It's like fantasy sci-fi slash romance. It's really good. I needed a different book. I'm all, you know me, I'm always reading. So I read, a, I read a court of thrones and wars roses and I was like, okay, I need something else. Like I'm, I'm hooked into this world. So I asked people on Instagram what they would recommend. And so many people recommend it from blood and ash series, from blood and ashes series. And I am obsessed. Um, and a show that my husband and I just watched is called welcome to Wrexham. And it's the football team that Ryan Reynolds and, um, Oh gosh, uh, he's from Rob. He's from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They bought that, and so it's the first season of being the owners of that team. So we we binge watched that. So those two things. I haven't even heard of that show, but it's on Halo. Sounds good. And the the book, I've heard everyone recommend that series for after A Court of Thorns and Roses because I'm also reading that one. I've I always get to a place though with books where like. I'm in I go between like TV modes and book modes and right now I'm in TV mode okay. and I've like stopped in like the middle towards the end of the series but I am hooked and I'm obsessed and I will finish soon. I just text one of the girls that recommended the series and was like um I need the next book and it doesn't come out until July 18th which is like perfect for my like maternity leave so I can just like cozy down and read that but there's like a prequel to the series and she's like read this and I'm like cool <laughs> Perfect. It will keep you occupied until yes. then. Okay. So shout yourself out. Tell us what you have coming up. If there's any exciting projects that you have coming up that you want people to know about and let people know where they can find you. So May, if you're listening to this in May or even post May, now, you know, May is celiac disease awareness month. So there's lots of new content coming out on my Instagram, which is, which is that's so celiac, which is like, that's so Raven, but celiac um and i'm updating my two guides which are on my website which is that's so celiac.com and those guides are like your gluten-free guide to the tampa st Pete area along with las vegas area since i've lived in both areas so those are kind of like the two new things i'm not any adding anything crazy to the plate since i'm adding a human child onto my plate um so if people want to go <laughs> along for that ride i will definitely be sharing motherhood and all of that um as as that comes I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been so fun. Uh, uh, just thanks for having me. This has been really fun. I think this has been like the, I've been on a few podcasts and all of them have been great, but like just vibing with you is so much fun. You know this, I've always loved your energy. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, of course. And when you're back here, we can do a part two. So 
in person. In person. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.